You're listening to McLovin's Movie Moments. Hello and welcome everyone. This week I am with one of my longest friends, not one of, but the longest friend, um, Jordan Hall. What's up? How's everybody doing? So we, uh, was it fourth grade that we met? I think it was. Yes. I, yes, it was fourth grade. I think we were in Miss Brian's class. Uh, that's right. Miss Brian's class. Yep. Yeah. I, it feels like so long ago, um, honestly. It was. It was a long time. I mean, I mean, it was over a decade yeah, I say, ago. I, I say that. Yeah, I, say, <laughs> I say that like we're like we're not we're like in middle school or something. Yeah. But like it's weird because it, it, it was a, lo- a while ago, but it seems sometimes like it was like yesterday sometimes. Oh, I know. Time is so weird the way it goes mm-hmm. so fast and so slow at the same time. Yeah. I remember, like, have specific memories from, like, that classroom, and then that's it. Right. And then I have, like, nothing for years, and it's weird. Yeah, like, I just black out certain years of my life. Mm -hmm. Just, like, oh, I don't remember being nine. (laughs) There's some parts that you want to black out, but you you can't. Right, the most embarrassing embarrassing ones. Yeah. The ones that you'll stay awake, like just thinking about. Oh yeah, that happens to me all the time. I'm like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh my! I know. It's like I wish I could forget. Yeah, like how, I, especially how I acted in high school. It's like I won't remember what I ate for dinner yesterday, but I'll remember that time in like middle school where I embarrassed myself hugely. <laughs> oh, don't worry. You're not. You're not the only one. No. I'm pretty sure I made a huge fool of myself too. <laughs> uh, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit um, right okay. now okay. to tell kind of how we met. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I'm going to talk about a moment, um, but before this moment, I like since we were in the same class, I knew who you were, but like we didn't really talk or anything. So like I didn't really know you, even though I knew you. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, for all the listeners out there, um, one school day val- during I think it was Valentine's Day, or yeah. we were like celebrating it or whatever. Yep. <laughs> Jordan's like, she comes up to me in class. She's like, "Hey, want to come with me to the library, or like, <laughs> come to the, li- to the library with me?" I'm like. Okay. <laughs> like, I, why are we going to the library? <laughs> and uh, to read, she takes obviously. me over. Yeah, to read. Um, and she takes me over to, I guess, a little corner, and uh, she gives me a Valentine's Day card. This Pokemon one, because I, I remember this very specific. Yes. <laughs> and it says, um, "Was I? Th- hey, I think you're cute. Don't tell anyone." <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that that's my that's my game. You know? <laughs> that's like, your game. That's how I pool. And now I pool the ladies. 
I've made a, I've made a, I've had a different approach since I've gotten older. I'm like, <laughs> you've changed up your ways a little bit. Changed it up a little bit, but yeah, yes, that that's how I do it. I think you're cute. Don't tell any anybody. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> Don't do it. And I think yeah. I think for a little bit we might have like elementary school dated, but Oh yeah, like maybe you've given me a hug or something. Yeah, that's and that that's was how... like <laughs> that's <laughs> that, it. That was it. Yeah. That's the extent of dating in elementary school. Yeah, that's pretty much it. But yeah, those are fun times. I was I would not I can't say that I would be that bold now. If I say if I were single, like, I don't know if I could Mm -hmm. do that. I think fourth grade me had a lot of confidence (laughs) that I don't have now. You had game. Yeah, I had game. I mean. You were pulling. (laughs) Yeah. So. I I totally agree with you. I don't, I don't know how I landed uh, my, my fiance. I don't know how I did it. Oh, I I don't know how I did either, honestly. Yeah, we could, both both of you and I are pretty shy when it comes to that. But we're also both very fortunate. Yes, yes. So that's good. Very fortunate. We must have something there. We have something about us that's like charming. It's got to be the same elementary school. That's got to be it. Yeah, <laughs> you got to think a mutual interest in Pokemon Valentine's Day cards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do you guys have a wedding date picked out? Because I, oh. I know you guys are engaged. So here's the thing. We got engaged like right before COVID was a thing. Mm. We got engaged like the November before um, everything like shut down. Um, yeah. So I had taken you guys to Halloween Horror Nights. And that's when I got to talk to you um, after, like, I think you got engaged before that. And I got to talk to you about it. Yeah. So um, that kind of derailed, you know, the planning process. And, you know, the more we think about it, the more we're kind of just like, you know, like, we have the most fun when it's just me and her, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, whenever we take trips or go anywhere or do anything, like, you know, going in, like, groups and, like, with friends is nice, but being just us two, like, that's when we have the best time. So we've considered it a lot, and, you know, planning a wedding, it's expensive, and there's a lot of stress involved, and and we really just kind of want it to be about us. So we've considered eloping. Oh, okay. So um, we might just go somewhere really cool one day spontaneously and come back like as a married couple. We don't know yet. That'd be awesome. I I totally support that. I totally support that (laughs) because I totally get it because Jacqueline and I are planning a wedding right now and it's it's, I'm like, holy shit, it's expensive. Oh, yeah. I mean, so when are you guys planning on having your wedding? Probably early June of next year. So. Okay, cool. 
So you have mm-hmm. plenty of like time. I mean, I say you have plenty of time, but you know, of course, like we were talking about earlier, time passes so fast. So next thing you know, you'll be ready to get married. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy that it, it seems so far away. And like you said, it it's going to be like, it's going to pass like a blink of an eye. So it's kind of funny how when you're in the moment, it seems like it's taking forever. And then you just look back and you're like, wow, that went by fast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it always does that to you. Yeah. Like, it seems like just yesterday we were in high school. Oh, yeah. It, it, I, you know, high school is weird to think about. <laughs> it's just not, you know. I, I know we definitely, we had our off and on oh, during yeah. that, too. I think we got along better when I was giving you um, Pokemon Valentine's Day cards in the fourth grade than we did in high school. <laughs> 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 I I think it was like later high school years where it was a lot better. I think I was I was a little oh, I was yeah. a little jerk. We, <laughs> First two years. It's okay. We we all have our things that we look back on, yeah. like we were talking about earlier, things that we think about that we've done and just it's embarrassing mm. and haunts you at night before you go to sleep. So I don't I don't judge you for any of that. You're just my good friend, Noah, that I've known for, for over a decade. That's crazy. It's crazy to think it's been that long. But yeah. Oh, I know. I hate it. Like, I actually hate it. I'm I'm like an yeah, old lady You wake now. up and her back's hurt. Like, ugh. Uh, I was my just back. about to talk about the pain. <laughs> the pain that comes along with being in your it's 20s. Always, and I, always I just a can't imagine. Back. Uh, oh yeah and now my knees that's a new thing my knees are starting to hurt i'm like this is this is ridiculous like i can't catch a break it's like my wrist my knees my back like i can't imagine how decrepit i'm going to be when i'm 30 (laughs) or or do you think it like it hit us all at once so quickly and like this is like the minimal amount right now and just because we're not used to it like dying I know, right? Like, I just fall over one day, <laughs> and they're like, oh, she's dead. That's it. Take me out early. That'd be nice. Yeah. Just some beam me up. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> well, this week, we are talking about uh, the movie Parasite, which I haven't seen a whole lot of foreign films, um, but this being one of the few that I have seen and it has become immediately one of my one of my favorites because I have, I have so many favorites yes. but this, this is one of my favorites yes yeah, so did you see this movie before I asked you about doing a podcast I did on actually it? Uh, saw it when it came out in theaters um and okay cool well 2019 I think yeah yeah yeah, it was fairly recent. I believe it was before the whole mm-hmm. COVID thing. Um, I think I think I think it was you... early twenty twenty that I saw it. Yeah. yeah, because it was 
I don't remember because I heard about it because it won an mm-hmm. Oscar for Best Picture, and I'd heard I kind of heard like chatter about it before that, but I had no clue what it was about or even that it was like a Korean mm-hmm. film. Like I had no idea uh, any of the details or anything on it. But then it won Best Picture, and I was like, huh, like I want to check this out because I everyone, you know, all the all the little Joker fanboys <laughs> were kind of mad that it won, <laughs> that it beat Joker. So, and Joker's yeah, a great movie it's just, it's too. A, but fan base. Yeah, they they like it for the wrong reasons. Let's just say that this is a society. <laughs> yeah, we live in a society. All those all those memes. Of course, um, but I was I was surprised because Joker was such a huge mm-hmm. hit that year, and I, I this movie that I that I personally didn't know anything about beat it, and I was like I have to check this out, and I was not disappointed. Like I went into it with no expectations. I knew absolutely nothing about the plot or anything. And I was blown That's away. All, those are honestly like, the best movie so... experiences when you go in, like knowing nothing. It's... Yeah, like I don't think I've ever been so like moved by a film before. Yeah, I didn't really hear too much about it either. Just um, th- some of the movie podcasts I listened to, people were saying, "Oh." Like it's amazing. You need like you guys need to go watch it if you haven't. So I was like, "All right, good enough for me. I'll go see it." Yeah, yeah. Um, I I had an amazing time watching this. I had, like I said, I had no idea about the plot. I didn't even know mm-hmm. what genre it was. And it's interesting because the first half of it, I mean, you kind of get a sense of a certain tone of like like you go into it and you feel like it's gonna be very serious mm. when you first start watching it like the opening and everything um but then you want start watching and it, it's like it's very comedic like it's very funny all the characters are super like charming mm-hmm. and fun to watch on the screen and like the first half of the movie is just so like lighthearted and you're just like, where's this mm-hmm. going? You know, I mean, like obviously like the scene where um they're sitting in their little half basement apartment and um they're folding those pizza boxes and the fumigators coming through with a huge cloud of, of pest mm-hmm. control and there's like stink bugs in their apartment and they're like, oh, close the windows. And the dad goes, no, don't. It's free pest <laughs> yeah. control. It's like, it was hilarious. But at the same time, you're like, oh, that's kind yeah. of sad. It, it's it, it's sad because you like you see their living condition and just like where they are. But like you said, it, it is really funny. Like there's a lot of funny lines yeah. and like the way they act or whatever, um, especially a couple of times when they're in, um, I think it's the park's house. Um, right but they just seem to have like good chemistry together like the family is like seems like they're happy together yeah oh yeah very much like they have a a good strong relationship Mm -hmm. with each other which i think is just um big in asian culture in general which i wish americans had more of (laughs) 
Yeah, that's something um, I actually try to consider a lot because I've had only seen this movie once um, previously, and I watched it for a second time to prepare myself for the podcast. And the second time over, um, I was trying to take notes while watching it, and, you know, I was trying to consider a lot because in... um, You know, Korea, the language that they use in relation to whoever they're speaking to is very Mm. important. Um, There's, you know, obviously in Korea and a lot of other Asian countries, it's important to show respect in your language to Mm -hmm. your elders and to anybody, you know, in a position over you. And, um... Upon rewatching the film, I noticed um, at the very beginning, there's a scene where the mom is giving the pizza boxes over to the mm-hmm. to her boss and, and she's, you know, complaining about the quality and everything. And um, I didn't know this because it, you're reading it in subtitles, mm-hmm. English subtitles. So and, you know, somebody who doesn't know Korean isn't going to notice like necessarily like the word choice or anything but i was reading some comments about it and apparently the way that the woman who is much younger than the mother of the kim family is speaking to her is very like informal and kind of disrespectful Mm -hmm. in a way which um the korean audience um had a quite a reaction to that because you know in korea it's a big deal that you speak to those who are elder than you um, with respect. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting. You wouldn't have known that if you didn't speak Korean or if you didn't know people. Right. Yeah, there's a a lot of things in this movie that you wouldn't consider if you weren't familiar with the culture, which I'm not at all. Like I'm, you know, I did a little research before you know, coming on the podcast just to see like things that I would have missed as somebody who's very like ignorant mm-hmm. of the culture. Um, and it's really fascinating. Do you think, I guess that this could be um, a question based off of any foreign film, not just Korean. Um, but do you think not having the knowledge of that culture or um, their their norms, do you think it kind of takes away from the movie, or do you think it has the same impact? And when you do research, like you like you said, you have for the movie and um, about their cultural norms, do you think that adds more? And just, I'm not phrasing this question very well. <laughs> no, I get I get what you mean. Um so obviously like if you are watching a foreign film mm-hmm. and you aren't familiar with the culture, you haven't grown up with the same customs, um you're going to view it in a different light than somebody mm-hmm. who has. Now, I mean, I don't know if I would say particularly like with this movie it takes away from the experience because this movie just has a very 
clear message to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still left me uh, very like affected at the mm-hmm. end. Um, but I think there are little moments here and there where you can definitely appreciate what the director is doing more so if you have been submersed in that culture your whole life. Because with the language, you know, they can notice these things like informalities and mm-hmm. in, in their language and the way the characters speak to each other, which is very important in a film like this because, you know, the whole message here is class versus class, rich versus poor. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of kind of important to note, um, especially in interactions with the Park family and the Kim family, how they're speaking mm-hmm. to each other. Because um, I know the daughter, um, she spoke in the in the um, Kim family. She spoke very informally to everybody. Oh uh, yeah, that she, that was pretty clear in the movie too. Just like the way she spoke to right. the, the, I think it was the Park wife. Yes, yes. So you know, even though she was her elder and her boss she spoke pretty casually mm-hmm. with her as if, you know, she had been accepted more so than the other members of the Kim family into that kind of mm-hmm. lifestyle because she had this, if, even though it was like fake, um, you know, she had this like prestige that she taught in Illinois. Mm-hmm. She, she was, um she studied abroad in America and America is a huge like status symbol in korea like if you can speak really good clear english in korea that's that's shown as a huge status symbol because it costs a lot of money to go study Mm. abroad in america um but you notice also there's instances where the wife in the um park family she speaks she kind of throws in like random english vocabulary when she's speaking to the daughter yeah um, and that's that's because, according to, you know, somebody who is actually Korean, leaving a little review, <laughs> um, they said that they believe that was because the wife was trying to impress the daughter. Because, you know, she, from what she knew, she had higher mm-hmm. education and she kind of, she was like, knew what she was talking about. See, it's little things like that, like you wouldn't pick up. <laughs> so right, it's yeah. super interesting. Which is, I should have done more research about that and just see what other people well, you know. thought. Um, and having these conversations with someone from Korea would would be good too. Like, and very inf- informational. That would be super, super mm. interesting. Um, Another concept um, in the kind of culture and and just in the movie in general, um, the Park family, the the dad in the Park, the rich family, um, he's always talking about this line, you -hmm. know, he's always talking about how the other driver, you know, always crossed the line and it's like, okay, what does he mean by the line? And there's there's like a boundary 
you know, between employer and employee. And um, I think what he means is they try, when his employee tries to get too personal and too friendly, I think that's what he means by the line. Um, There's a specific scene that kind of comes to mind when the dad of the poor family, the Kim family, is asking the dad from the rich family, oh, um, you love your wife, right? Yeah. He kind of, he's kind of crossing the line. I don't, I don't really, I don't know if he was crossing the line because he was talking about um, his personal life or he was trying to suggest that he didn't really love his wife, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess because the relationship between the two couples in the Mm -hmm. movie um, is very different. Mm -hmm. Like, in the the, uh, Kim family, the poor family, the husband and wife, you know, they're, they're a team. They, they laugh together. They, they play with each other. They're, they obviously have a very like loving relationship. Meanwhile. Yeah. So, and meanwhile, you know, the Park family, like they have moments where they're affectionate, I suppose, but a lot of times the father in particular seems to be very Mm -hmm. cold. Um, so I don't know. That's just, that was another thing that kind of stood out to me. And, you know, when he's asked if he loves his wife, he responds by saying, well, I guess you could call it love. I wrote that quote down. He doesn't say, he doesn't say yes, which was kind of like, yeah, I'm just like, why? (laughs) I, I, I hate it when that happens. And then he, uh, Kim asked it again towards the end when they're in the Native American mm-hmm. headdresses and they're kind of crouched in that bush. You know, he's talking about how much effort the wife is putting into the party and, and then he's talking about the husband, how he's, you know, going along with it and trying to make it exciting as well. And then he says, well, that's because you love her. And the dad kind of just mm-hmm. gives him this look and he's like, mm. You're crossing mm-hmm. the line, you know. The, the relationship between those two was a—you uh, could tell it was tense, even during the times when they were talking or just having a good time. You could tell—I don't—it just felt very tense right. to me. Um, right. Especially towards the end, when when they were hiding under the table and the mm. Mr. Park was talking about the smell and you could just, you could see oh. his face. She's just like, he, there was no happiness there. He was, he was getting real angry right. and you could see it. I think in one of the subsequent scenes, he's driving someone and um, I think it's the wife the and wife. she, she does the little nose thing. Where she opens the window uh-huh. and you can see it again. He's just like, he, he looks murderous there. Yeah, well, 
Yeah, it, literally, because, you know, the ending scene, one of the ending scenes, that's why he ends up murdering mm-hmm. Mr. Mm-hmm. Park. Because, you know, the man in the basement, he comes and obviously goes on this rampage and and um, his dead body falls over a set of mm-hmm. car keys that Mr. Park is trying to grab and he's trying to lift him off mm-hmm. of it. And he literally recoils from the smell and puts his does the nose thing again. And then Mr. Kim sees that and he runs up, takes the knife and stabs him and kills him. Do you think that it's just all. I I know it's because he's probably like super offended. He was just so rude about it. He was just so rude about the way he went about it, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, Do you think there was another reason why Mr. Kim killed him besides the way they were treating Um, him. I think there's kind of more to it. It's like in the subtleties, you know, like they didn't necessarily treat him poorly. They were actually like, from my understanding and personal, you know, my perception, they were actually really, like, kind. They they never, um, you know, berated them or or were overly, like, rude or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but... The, the way they kind of treated them, though, was it was kind, but it was like, oh, I don't know how to describe it. It's like that fake kind kind of thing, you know? Yeah, you know, it's especially like one yeah, of the lines I mean... at the ending, um, like you were talking about when they were dressing up as Native Americans and um, hiding in the bush. He's like, "I'm paying you extra to be here," and it's just that kind of thing. The, the subtleties that you're you're saying, it makes it kind of seem like yeah, they're being nice to them, but. It also kind of feels like they're taking advantage of them. They're being, they definitely act like they're above them. So. Right. I mean, in a lot of ways they are, you mm-hmm. know. Um, well, fin- financially, um, yeah. Just in, in societal yeah. wise, I'm, I'm assuming, yes. And that's kind of why, in my opinion, you know, you see it that way because they they have a employee employer relationship you know i mean they are their boss and and they're he at that point um cuz that line where he says you know i'm paying you extra to be here just before that mr kim had asked that question again about loving his wife and he's kind of implying, like, okay, like, I get why you're here doing this, you know, crouched under this bush and dressed in this ridiculous, like, you know, appropriative <laughs> headdress. But, you know, why am I here? You know, like, she's not my wife. This isn't my kid. So, you know, the the husband responds, well, I'm paying you extra to be here, so just do your job. Yeah, shut up and do what I'm telling you to do, pretty much. Right. So, I don't know. 
you can especially see like just thematically you can see the 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 difference between them like uh, class wise especially when they're uh, running down from the park house to their house during that storm just like how low they have to climb or where they have to go and it's very symbolical my english is not very good today (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're fine um but yeah that's the storm that's a big point in the movie like it's 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 like you said it's very symbolic um you know the kim family basically loses their home it's just completely just, flooded and yeah, the it's toilet sad, i hate that scene it's so sad <laughs> it's horrible um you know the toilets overflowing and all their belongings are being being you know washed away and their life is kind of being mm. destroyed and then you know a day later you see the park family the wife you know in her nice car being driven around and she's talking very casually to her friend on the phone oh you know the rain was such a blessing there's no pollution in the air yeah. today it's just like oh that kills you it's she gut-wrenching doesn't even think about anyone other than them really right well to her that's the thing too is is when we were saying you know the the rich family is is mm-hmm. rude and looks down on them it's almost like it's not really so much that it's more so that they're ignorant to what is going on Mm -hmm. around them like they don't consider other people because they just that's just not something that they think Mm -hmm. about you know their life is very cushy and they have all this money that's very expendable they throw this huge party on a whim they have you know they she keeps calling it impromptu but nothing about that party was impromptu. I mean, there was a cellist <laughs> and like an opera singer there, and like everything was very neatly they decorated, had like a, a and cook they had all this and food like, and waiters and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So like, they just you know they don't consider these things because they're they're not concerned mm-hmm. with them. Nothing like that is ever going to happen. I mean, like the Kim family, they could save up for an entire year and not plan something so put together Mm -hmm. as that, that they put together in a day. So it's just like the extreme like juxtaposition there is like a huge theme of the movie and you just see it play out. So like every scene does more. There's there's so many little things in there that, that does that class difference like, well, like the Ramdan is a huge symbol of that too. Right. Like taking this like, Right. Usually cheap meal. It's 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 literally just like yeah. It's literally just noodles. ramen, and then adding this like mm-hmm. hundred dollar worth of beef to it. Yeah, just like the most like bougie <laughs> yeah. beef that you could get in Korea. Yeah, it's just like it's like it's like their version of Kobe mm-hmm. beef. It looks delicious. Like I'm, yeah. I won't lie, if I had the opportunity to eat it, I oh, for yeah. sure would. But it's just like oh yeah, it's not even like a special dinner. It's like a casual. It's like a snack almost. It's so excessive. Like, uh, what? 
That's crazy. That's crazy. Just it's it's just shows you like how expendable mm-hmm. their money is. I mean, they really just don't care about it, mm-hmm. like because there's so much. Meanwhile, you know the the Kim family kind of scrapes mm-hmm. by selling pizza boxes and and gets yeah free free vacation yeah. for and their having, for their apartment. The guy for... piss on their front lawn, pretty much. Oh yeah. That was played out comedically too, but it, it still was kind of sad. Yeah, that's it's like very mm-hmm. dark humor. Which is, I guess, is why I like it because I like dark humor. But yeah, but it's done very tastefully. Yeah. yeah. And nothing, nothing is like, oh, that's so over the top and disgusting. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's all very tasteful, mm-hmm. even though it's a tough subject yeah. matter. So how how do you how do you relate to the movie? Um I mean I don't know that I necessarily relate to the movie like because the thing about it is you see like two extremes mm-hmm. in this movie and that's it. You don't see anything in the middle. You see a very poor family who, like I said, is just barely scraping by and trying to make ends meet. And then you see the rich family who lives very extravagantly, spares no expense, kind of just does whatever they want. But you don't see anybody Mm -hmm. in the middle, which is another kind of important point to the movie, but... But I don't know. I just, I kind of, I, I, I just empathize, you mm-hmm. know. I empathize for um, the Kim family, but especially I empathize for the family or the husband and wife that lived in the basement of the Park family home. You haven't even talked about them yet. Which is, I, that's a big note for me. Right, which that family or couple, like, just that whole situation like broke my heart. Like, Mm. I don't know, just that scene where, you know, she gets fired and she's kind of looking back like a lost puppy at the house. Like, where am I going to go? And like, because when you watch it the first time, you don't know that her husband is down there. You just see it as, Oh my gosh, like she's been living here basically. Like she's taking care of this home for Mm -hmm. years even before that family moved in and like it just it's it's just heart-wrenching mm-hmm. like, especially especially and, him having to live like that too right and then you find out about that and you're and she's like freaking out screaming that's when that's when the tone really shifts in mm-hmm. the movie because it's all very lighthearted and fun and like you're laughing and enjoying it and you know, you get to that scene where the family's drunk on the mm-hmm. couch and having having a good time together, and then that knock on the door, your heart just drops into your stomach, and you're like, "Oh my god, what is it? <laughs> who who What's is at the door? <laughs> is there? Did they get ruined? Did they get found out? I remember that being when I, the first time I watched huh? it. That was my main concern through most of the movie: is oh, are they going to get found out that? they're all working together and right. that the movie 
doesn't really care about that too much. I mean, it is it is kind of a point See, because they're afraid of the this old housekeeper is going to tell. But that's pretty much it. And that's like the beauty of this movie too is because the whole first half that's what you're thinking you're like okay so obviously like at some point this whole scheme that they're pulling is gonna fall Mm -hmm. on them and they're gonna be exposed and something crazy is gonna happen but you never expect what Mm -hmm. actually happens to happen because it seems like such a very like lighthearted movie and and you're like okay of course there's gonna be some issues coming up here, but you don't expect a murder and <laughs> like this crazy dude living in the basement and like, Oh, I, I I'm going to have to save this for when we talk about okay. our favorite scenes, but, but yeah, like you just don't see any of it coming. That's, that, that's something I love when movies do is they take stereotypes and they take cliches that you're so used to in movies um, and just right. turning it on its head. Like you're so worried about right, this whole movie, like ben, them being found out, but that's not what the big twist is at the end. That's not what. Yeah. No. And this whole like class struggle theme is not mm-hmm. new. You know, it's, it's been done a lot in in movies over the years, but this movie has a very, different take mm-hmm. on it i mean like it's not it's not like sending you away with the message of oh being poor sucks mm-hmm. you know i mean that is a thought that probably crosses your mind when you're watching it like oh that sucks like but like that's not that's not the big takeaway like it's not oh being poor sucks and being rich is mm-hmm. awesome like it's just this whole it's way more um complex mm-hmm. than that something that this director does very well um i don't know if you've seen snowpiercer i haven't but i've been wanting it's, to watch it's, it again it's um it's like a class type movie you know um mm-hmm. just briefly i'll tell you a little bit it's Basically, different carts house different people, and you mainly see the people in the back of the this train, and it's it's like the the chems, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of pretty poor and not great living conditions and stuff like that. So I I think that's something that he knows how to do very well, and it's very obvious in this movie yeah he is just he's a phenomenal Mm -hmm. director and i've been saying since parasite that i've been wanting to watch more of his movies but i just haven't gotten around to it but one of these days i'm gonna watch snowpiercer that's that's one of those movies that i'll probably watch once and that's it um but like yeah there's really it's still like good a good movie but there's just some parts in it that I'd never want to see again. So. Oh, it's yeah. one of those. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so what, what, 
besides uh, so talking about our favorite moments, what do you love about this movie? Like, what do you think is done extremely well stylistically and everything like that? Um, I think, th- I think the imagery is definitely a big thing. I mean, like for instance, you look at the the houses, the living conditions. Um, whenever there's a basement scene, you always get this shot of as if you were standing in the not not basement, but like the um, Kim family home. That's like a kind of basement mm-hmm. home. You get the shot. It's like as if you're standing in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like a you're looking up and out, you know. Um, and it's interesting because the windows, they're kind of like halfway. Like you can still see outside. You're looking at it from below the ground, but you can still see outside, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and meanwhile, the Park family... They have these huge open windows. There's a lot of natural light and and stuff flowing mm-hmm. in, and it's just really beautiful. And and then you consider, you know, that's not the only living conditions that you see in this movie. You also see the man in the basement. His living conditions are this tiny room in the mm-hmm. basement. There's no windows very little light um nothing so i think it's really well done because it kind of shows you like in my opinion it it's symbolic of maybe hope or potential Mm -hmm. um i mean you have the very bottom there's there's nothing in that basement there's no windows there's no hope there's no potential he's there and that's where he's going to be um in the kim family home you know you you you're down in the basement but you can still see mm-hmm. outside there's there's hope there you there's potential the there's mm-hmm. right yeah that's another thing they the basement he's not free to leave whenever he's basically mm-hmm. like a prisoner um but you know i think because of the the Kim's children, they, they're they the kind of masterminds behold, behind the whole scheme, mm-hmm. you know. The son thinks about introducing the daughter to the family, and she's the one forging all these documents to make mm-hmm. it look legit. And, you know, the parents kind of just, they do the easy work. They, they made, they're the driver. But the kids, you know, they're tutors, they're an art therapist. Mm-hmm they're the ones coming up with all this crazy stuff. So like, that's, I think where the hope is in the Kim family is in their children. Um, the park family is obvious. I mean, they have limitless potential light hope, you know, they can do whatever they want whenever they want because they have all this Mm -hmm. money. So yeah, I, that use of imagery is, is really interesting, really well done. Um, another big thing in the movie is water. We kind of touched mm-hmm. on it, you know, for a minute uh, with the storm and all, but, but, you know, water is a huge symbol. And, and, and when I was doing my research, apparently um, 
Bong Joon-ho, the director, when he wrote this, it was originally going to be like a screenplay. Like it was meant to be performed on oh, stage. Okay. And it was going to be like two houses next to each other. And it was going to show like, you know, the families going in between the two houses. and But then they wanted to do all this stuff with this rain and water and flooding and all that. And he was like, well, there's no way to convey that on stage. So I'm going to have to make it mm -hmm. into a movie. And they actually, um, the set, part of it at least, was built on, I believe, a water uh, res water tankard or water reserve, something like that, because they needed gallons and gallons of water to film these scenes, and they needed to simulate a flood, and it's just really, like, the set design is really interesting. I mean, it's seamless. Like, you, it literally looks like you're in the yeah. slums in Korea. Like, I don't it know was, how they did it. Was it was insane, and just that amount of water, I was like, how would how would you do that? How would you go about yeah. flooding like a city or like a part of a, a street? And it's very symbolic as well because, you know, water flows from the top to mm -hmm. the bottom, kind of like from rich mm -hmm. to poor. And there's just a lot of things in this movie, like that were very carefully thought out and, it's it's just like this director. I don't know. He <laughs> he's yeah. on another level. It's the details. The details for me is is what really make a movie. I I love just like the small details. Right. Right, and that's what this movie mm -hmm. is. Like it's all in the details, mm -hmm. the subtleties. One subtlety that I I didn't catch um is when the the old maid comes back and she knocks on the door her face looks swollen and like just so beat up and like scratches. Is, is that from the peaches from when they got rid of her? Or do you think, cause it looked bloody, like her face looked bloody. It did. Um, when I first watched the movie, I was kind of like, I kind of had that same thought like, Oh wow. It looks like she was beat up mm -hmm. almost. Um, but I think it was just a rash. I think it was from the peaches. Okay. Um, and it's actually interesting that you bring that up because that is what I picked as like my third favorite, not, not favorite, but like, oh, it, yeah. Third favorite scene in the movie was the whole, um, the peach, peach thing. Yeah. The peach uh, scene. I was going to get into that too a like, little bit. Yeah. So oh we'll, my god. We'll see the discussion for that in a little bit. So Yeah. Um so, so, so yeah, that, I I think it was okay. just a rash. Yeah. What was another detail? I I feel like there were some foreshadowing shots in there. There was one scene that I remember thinking this is like exactly later, how later how it is in the movie and I can't remember what it is. Um, maybe it'll come to me later. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think um, a lot of it, you know, going back to the point of the line. There's a lot of scenes where you get, you know, these one-on-one -on -one conversations, and you kind of see 
Um, like, I think there's this one scene where the Kim family father and the Park family father, the Park family father, he's at work and Mr. Kim is there for an interview and you kind of see there's this one shot where it's like this horizontal kind of barrier. It's invisible, of course, but like you see like Kim on one half of the screen and Mr. Park on the other and you see him, he doesn't cross the line Mm -hmm. in that shot. The, 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 I'm sorry, vertical line, not horizontal, but, um, he, he stays on his side Mm -hmm. of things, his side of the screen. And then later on, you see the son of the poor family and the daughter of the rich family when they're in her room kissing. And you see like the, in the middle of the room, they're like the center Mm -hmm. of the shot. They're you know, obviously together, and so they're kind of crossing the line together, which I think is also pretty cool, like his use of framing and and just, like, his placement of the characters. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I, I have a hard really time good. trying to notice is the the camera work and the angles and, yeah. and frames and everything like that. That's definitely, like, something that you really have to be mm-hmm. looking for. Because I don't, I'm not like a huge film buff or anything. Like I don't, I don't analyze like the shots. I'm mostly just trying to understand the plot when I watch Mm -hmm. a movie. But watching it through a second time definitely helped. Um, I just want to say something that you were talking about the Kevin and um, the daughter. Like I just that was so weird to me because like he's. In the in the beginning, he was hitting on uh, on her, and then they end up like kissing, and like I guess they're almost like a couple. But I just felt like that felt like that was so weird because they don't tell us what his age was, but I f- I feel mm-hmm. like he was like college age, and like she's like seventeen or so I think. And I was just like, yeah, she was, was in like, high school. This is kind of weird. It doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> Also, it's a little strange because at the beginning, his friend, mm-hmm. Min, who was going overseas to study, he tells Kevin, oh, like, I'm going to ask her out, you know, when she's in college. Mm-hmm. So it's like, man, that's your, that's your friend's girl. Yeah. Like, he specifically Kevin? went to him and asked him to do it because he didn't want any of, like, the fraternity guys or the college right. guys. Like, slobbering right. over her i think is what he said i'm like yeah, that's kind of ironic yeah but it's also interesting because you know he goes for this girl that his friend was into and then he ends up saying oh i'm gonna ask her out when she's in college he says that to mm-hmm. his family and then there's the scene with the homeless guy you know, peeing <laughs> outside their house. And originally his friend goes out there and he's like, oh, get a grip and like throwing stuff at him and spraying him with water mm-hmm. and whatever. And then Kevin at that point is in the house just watching it. And then later on you see it happen again, but this time Kevin is the one outside saying, oh, get a grip and like mm-hmm. trying to, you know, shoo this guy off. And I think it's obviously like he's trying to imitate 
his friend. He's trying to be that person that his friend was, you know, kind of the social status and the confidence and Mm -hmm. all of that. So that was another thing that was pretty cool to see. I love, I love when that happens or just directors make that choice. That's all choice to have uh, the characters imitate someone else. I, for some reason I'm, I'm thinking of in baby driver when baby literally all of his lines are lines. He hears off the TV, which is kind of cool. And it's, yeah, I love that, that movie. Made me, that made me think about that for some reason. So, yeah, that that movie was really good. But yeah, it's just. Why do you think he he tries to imitate him? Because he's successful, I guess. Because he's transferring. He's uh, going over to the U.S. Yeah, like I kind of think, because. Because Kevin, he's a smart guy, mm-hmm. obviously, like, and he was a good student. He talks about how, like, he aced that exam with, like, flying colors, mm-hmm. and he obviously went to him to be um, his stand-in for a reason. Like, so I think it kind of shows that if Kevin had grown up with the same kind of opportunities and money that his friend men did, mm-hmm. he would probably be in the same place mm-hmm. as him. You know, he'd probably be an international student and and very successful. Mm-hmm. So it's just the fact that he lacks money, you know, again, the class struggle. Um, that's sort of what I interpret it as anyways it's funny um the the saying money can't buy happiness i remember thinking about this a lot especially when i had first moved out by myself um and there was a lot of days where i was thinking money could fix my problems right now it'd make me very happy (laughs) Right. And I hate yeah, when people say like, that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, it might not buy happiness, but it'll make me a whole lot less stressed right now. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier to focus on being yeah. happy when you don't have problems created by money. not yeah. having money. You know, I, I hate that's one of my least favorite sayings. Like, it's just so. Um, it's a very privileged <laughs> thing to say, <laughs> in my opinion. I mean, of course, you know. I, I agree I to. Know. I agree. I agree to it to a certain extent. Like, yeah, like if money is the source of your happiness, something's wrong. But right, like there are problems created by lack of money that would make you happier if you didn't have to worry about those problems. So I, I right. totally, I totally understand. But I think that's what that's a message that I got from this movie a little bit is um yeah the Kim family is is poor it doesn't have this access to this huge amount of money that the Park family does but like you still see them having a good time and like being a happy family and everything like that 
Right. But it's just, you can see that a lot of their problems too would be solved if they had money. So. Yeah. Because, you know, in the end, you know, Mr. Kim ends up in that basement, Mm -hmm. locked away, out of touch with his family in the outside world, Mm -hmm. and the daughter ends up dead. It's like, okay, none of that would have happened if they had had money in the first place. (laughs) So, oh, and you know, another thing that I didn't actually notice this I was kind of like scrolling through a forum and reading about it, but um, in like the middle of the movie, when Mr. Kim is like preparing to be hired on as the driver or whatever, and they're like eating out at that buffet, um, he talks about how before he was a driver, he worked for a Taiwan. I think a Taiwanese um, cake shop or something. That, that went bust or and whatever. And then, yeah, that went bust. And when you go down in the basement and meet the man in the basement for the first time, he talks about, you know, being indebted to these loan sharks. And he had a business. He owned a Taiwanese cake shop that went bust. He uses the exact same phrasing. What? So Mr. Kim no actually worked... Yes, I I swear I I looked out for it oh, the second wow. time I watched it, and it's true. That's crazy. So Mr. Kim actually worked for him at one point. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was insane. Oh, uh, that's wow! That's a big revelation. I didn't notice that. What? What if he worked for him? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you think he recognized him at all? I don't know. I. I wonder if maybe it had been like so long that maybe he just didn't recognize him or maybe he had forgotten Mm -hmm. or maybe they had never met. Maybe he was kind of a hands-off owner. He Maybe he owned the store but wasn't there all the time. I don't know. But yeah, it's, that's like in... In the movie, like that's mm-hmm. what they say. They use the exact same phrasing and everything. Well, that's crazy. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Well, who who do you think before? I have a two part question before we get into our top three favorite moments, because I feel like there's not a lot we can discuss more about the movie until we uh, talk about our favorite moments. Right. But <laughs> I wanted to ask one. Who do you think the titular parasite is for the movie? Well, um, in my <laughs> in my socialist <laughs> opinion, <laughs> um, no, like, okay, genuinely, like, obviously, you're meant to believe that the Kim family and the family in the basement is the parasite kind of leeching off of this rich, wealthy mm-hmm. family. Um, you know, they, they kind of infiltrate their home and, and even though they're working for them, this wealthy family has no idea that they're all related. And this was all a big scheme mm-hmm. to get rid of their old staff mm-hmm. basically. And, 
replace them with another poor family and obviously um the husband makes a comment that he didn't like the old housekeeper because she always ate enough food for two which is funny when you realize why she was taking food down to her husband i, I loved that nod because i noticed it the second time yeah. yeah um so you know in that way they're a parasite i guess taking food that's not theirs but but you know in my in my opinion um the real parasite is rich people <laughs> um i i don't know so much about korea's economic structure but i know here in the us a lot of things are rigged against the less fortunate um the rich get richer the poor get poorer kind of deal um they capitalize off of exploiting workers who work for low wages they work long hours sometimes two or three jobs to support themselves and their families mm -hmm. so i mean you don't see much of that in this movie but you know it's and like i said i don't know if if korea has that kind of same capitalistic society and economic structure but but it kind of seems that way it kind of seems that they do i, I think they do because i think um it runs similarly similarly wow i really can't english today um <laughs> to the usa so yeah 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 so like surface level obviously the the parasite is is the Kim family. But when you kind of take a deeper look at it, you're like, okay, so who really is the parasite? Well, to me, um, scientifically, actually, <laughs> um, <laughs> scientific, not scientifically, um, but the, the definition of parasite to me is like, for purposes other than, I can't think of any other way to say this, I'm going to say... <laughs> Like a, a like a a tick leeching off of a let's say a bear. Mm -hmm. You you know how we learn about symbiotic and parasitic relationships in like biology or science right. class or whatever. Um, a parasite is like a tick who is literally just taking blood from the bear and nutrients from the bear, and that's it. And it does nothing for the bear. It doesn't help it at all. The Kim family is employed by the Park family. And they work and f for their money. Which, yes, they are exploited. And they are used to do whatever the Park family wants them to do. Makes them do whatever. Um, doesn't really care about them. But they are each... Each party's getting something out of the other party that they want. Right. So it's like a mutual. Yeah. E even though it may not be fair or whatnot, which I think financially it is. I think they're getting paid rather handsomely. They don't, they don't talk about mm -hmm. that, though. I think the real parasite is the man living in the basement because he literally does nothing for right. anyone else. He's, he's just taking food. He, he's, 
He's literally like portrayed as an infant. Yeah, he seems that way. I mean, his wife was working for that family to support him for mm-hmm. years. And like you said, he can't do anything because he has these loan sharks out mm-hmm. for blood on him. And he's basically in hiding. And when she returns to the house and begs to be let in and she runs down there screaming when she gets to him, I don't know if you noticed this, but she starts feeding him with a bottle. I did not. I did not notice that. Like a milk bottle. He's like drinking milk like a baby, <laughs> like out of a bottle. And then after that, she gives him a banana and he's like eating it oh, with both mm-hmm. hands and like mm-hmm. like shoving it in his mouth. So it's like, okay, so he, they're basically like, in my opinion, they're infantilizing him and they're kind of portraying him as almost like a devolved kind of being mm-hmm. like a ape or something you know eating a banana who knows maybe maybe he's like, like that cake. because of the uh, numerous years that he's lived down there yeah and i mean i think it's everything the thing about this movie is like everything has its mm. purpose like every shot every like interaction between the characters the dialogue the framing everything the characters do it all has a purpose so i'm thinking that even with something as simple as just the way he was eating is saying something about his Mm -hmm. character because that's what this director does so you you think he was just so it he was being um, portrayed as like an infant almost yeah an infant and an animal Mm. So I, I agree with your um, kind of assessment that he is the real parasite because not only is he leeching off of the family, but he's also also leeching off of his wife mm-hmm. in a way. Well, and um, any opinion on this is going to be correct because that's why I love movies because it's it's anything can be your opinion. Like what you think of it, it's it's art. It's right. Yeah, it's all subjective. It's all subjective. That's why that's why I love about movies and especially this one because it has a lot of questions that you can literally answer any number of ways. Yeah, anything. Yeah. Which another the second part Some, to this question is the kind of the same thing, but who do you think the bad guy is? If you could say it like an if there's an antagonist, who would you say it is? Um. See, that's interesting because I don't think that there is one. Took my answer right out from my head. I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe that there is a bad guy. I believe everybody in this situation has been victimized mm-hmm. in a way. And I don't think anyone intentionally does wrong. I mean, I guess you could say, like, morally, like, it's wrong for them to go and mislead this family and kind of trick them into employing them but they sort of did it out of necessity it's not like they're harming Um, the family in any way right so i i don't think that there is a bad guy Mm. so yeah i I totally agree because i like i like it when movies there's more of them doing it now these days but when movies don't 
make morally gray characters. You, you mm-hmm. can agree with them and you can disagree with them. And, but you can, yeah. Right. Because that's how, that's yeah, what exactly. life is. Like, I mean, there's bad people, of course, but like, you know, in your regular everyday life, there's people that you don't like and you don't agree with, but like, would you say that they're bad people? Mm-hmm. No, like mm-hmm. that's not, they're just people, mm-hmm. you know, like, and that's what this movie does. Like it shows you humanity, mm-hmm. all sides of it. It shows you love, laughter, tears, heartbreak, anger, yeah. uh, violence, anger. Yeah, and that's what's so awesome about it because like I said in the beginning, like I've never watched a movie that has moved me wow, so really? much. Like this this movie like it just commands your emotions. Mm-hmm. Like it's like riding a wave like you just you're watching it and you're just there for the experience like it really like just takes hold of you it's captivating and i think you know like any great work of art should it leaves you thinking about it Mm -hmm. for days Mm -hmm. after And, and that's why i love it that's why it's one of my top movies well, that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our top three favorite moments, which we briefly right. discussed our third, but well, I think it was your third. I think I put mine, that one as a, another part, but I'll go ahead and let you start off with your, your third favorite. So for my third favorite, I chose the whole scene where... Jessica realizes that the housekeeper is allergic to peaches Mm. and then subsequent events play out Mm -hmm. after that. They, it's just like, it's such a good scene. Like the way it plays out is so well done. It's so funny and it's really clever and smart and just the way that they scheme it. And like you get this scene of, (laughs) of the dad and the son practicing you know how to bring it up to the family like the whole tuberculosis thing and like he follows her to the hospital and takes a picture and he's like oh you know I was taking a selfie for my wife and it's hilarious because his face is barely in it and you just see the the housekeeper in the background at the hospital (laughs) I know because the wife is so gullible simple she's just you know (laughs) Yeah, it's simple, yeah. Um, And I just love the way that the scene plays out. The music is great, mm-hmm. and I don't know, like, it's just awesome. Like, oh, like the, the, the cuts, yeah, the flick. cuts they do, and just, like, the way it's shot and the lighting, it, it it's a really good scene. I like that. And then the cherry on top is, of course, at the ending of the scene where you know, they flick the peach mm-hmm. fuzz on her again and she starts coughing into the towel and throws it in the trash mm-hmm. can and Mr. Kim comes with that hot sauce and sprays it in there and he lifts the the bloody looking <laughs> towel out of the trash can and the wife just like <laughs> falls over and faints. It's just so, it's so great. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. I'm actually going to cut ahead real quick, um, but that's 
part of my second favorite moment. Yeah. Really? Um, I'll talk about my third favorite moment when you're talking about your second, but a little more than just that scene, my mind was just kind of the, the replacement from all the previous workers to the Kim family. I, I thought it was like so well done. It was, it showed their intelligence and showed their cunning very well. Mm-hmm. And it, like immediately when they were talking about getting like a art tutor or art therapy uh, teacher for, um, Oh, what's his name? The son. I can't remember the son's name. The, the song. song. I remember, um, his face like shifts a little bit and you can tell he's like mm-hmm. oh i have an idea mm-hmm. i know this person that you can bring in so from from there when they get her to come in and be the art tutor and then they get their dad to be the chauffeur i thought it was in and then the peach scene i thought it was just genuinely intelligent and it was so much fun to watch it happening and just like this it takeover was- it's it was the best, so, like, it was so good. It was so much movie. fun to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but go ahead and talk about your second favorite moment. My second mm-hmm. favorite moment. Um, I don't know if I would say it was my favorite, second favorite, but it was definitely like something that was very high up there for me because it was so important. Um, was the rainstorm. Mm. Um, that whole sequence, scene of events where, you know, it starts raining and the song, he's out there in his tent camping mm-hmm. out, like having a good time, sleeping peacefully in the rain. And then you cut to, you know, the the three of them, the dad, daughter, and son, of the Kim family running back to their house and in the rain Mm -hmm. and they get there and it's all flooded and you see their, them trying to scrape up any belongings they can. You know, the dad gets the medal that his wife Mm -hmm. earned for, I think she competed in some kind of sport or something. I think it was, um, remember when they're in the house and they're in the lawn and, she's doing like this throwing thing. I, I cannot remember what it's mm-hmm. called, but I'm embarrassed because I did track and field in, in high school. Um, I think it might've been that. I think it might've been that. Yeah. Yeah. So you see him grab that for her and then you see the son grab the um, scholar mm-hmm. stone that his friend gave him. Which is another thing that we can talk Mm. about. And then, um, you know, the toilet just starts exploding with crap everywhere. The sister literally just gives up. She sits on the toilet and starts smoking a cigarette. Yeah. And that's a great scene. That shot of her just sitting there smoking a cigarette. She's like, okay, I'm surrounded by chaos and my, yeah. And she's just like, there's nothing I can do. It's just complete Mm -hmm. helplessness. She just sits there and she's like, whatever, smokes that Mm. cigarette. And then it cuts to the next day when they're waking up in the shelter that they had to stay in overnight. 
and they're digging clothes out of a giant pile and there's other people surrounding them, mm-hmm. you know, all freaking out because they've all been displaced from their homes. And then you, they get a text and a call from the Park family saying, oh, we're having this party. You guys, you know, need to come. And then obviously you get to the scene where uh, Mr. Kim is helping the wife shop around and they're in the car and she says, oh, this rain was such a blessing. Mm-hmm. And God, it it hits mm-hmm. you hard when she says those words and you just see the look on his face like completely and utterly defeated mm-hmm. after his life was just completely turned upside down. He's kind of broken at that point. It's just, yeah. It's, um, like I said, this movie just commands you, all of your emotions. Mm-hmm. It just, like, I felt such deep, deep sadness yeah. watching this movie yeah. at some parts. Like, you really, it really makes you empathize. I, I totally agree. Totally so agree. I would say, I would say that good chunk there was definitely, like, my top top. Side. To, yeah, because it not necessarily my favorite because it was so yeah. depressing, but it was yeah. important. I've I've found out more as I grew up that the sad moments or the scenes that you ne- didn't necessarily like when you were growing up watching a movie tend to be the most important ones. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Well, since I already talked about my second, I'll talk about my uh, third favorite moment, which was the fake out ending. Um, yes. I was so happy with this ending because it almost went there. It almost went to the cliche happy ending where mm-hmm. you, the sun is now suddenly rich like he went off to college like he found a good job and you're just like what and it's it's kind of like a roller coaster because like that's not what this movie was trying to say like this movie just i guess didn't care about what it was the rest of the movie you know none of the rest mm-hmm. of the movie matters if this is what happens at the end and i remember just thinking are you serious just like just like that like that that was that's the main issue at the end, and it's we're just good now. And the movie's like, nope, I fooled you. That's yep. There's no happy endings here. That it just yeah. rips your heart out. It really does. I mean, I my second watch through of it, I was ha- almost considering just pausing it at that moment where <laughs> the happy ending fades to black, and just saying, okay, I watched Parasite. This is a good movie. And it had a great ending. <laughs> Nope, I don't know anything that happens after this. But no, I kept going. I had to watch the whole thing, and it just fades to black, and then it shows Kevin sitting there in his bed in the basement Mm -hmm. home. And it's just as horrible seeing it the second Mm -hmm. time as it is the first time. Almost, because the first time you don't know what's happening. just, just Just that feeling of dread hopelessness really you just know yeah yeah, hopelessness that you know that there's 
very, very slim chance of that actually happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're in that place, it's so hard to climb Mm -hmm. out, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that's that's my third favorite moment. So, yeah. It's a good choice. I didn't even consider that, honestly, because I was so, yeah, I hated it's, it so it's much. Not fun. <laughs> I mean, I love it, but yeah. I hate it, you know? Um, yeah, anyway. So did you want to know? Yeah, for your, your top favorite first, moment. My top favorite moment, again, not my favorite but it kind of was um because of the reaction i mm-hmm. had to it um was the scene where you finally find out why the little boy in the park family is so traumatized oh, that's such a good one that's such a good one i mean that just that dark hallway Mm -hmm. very dimly lit and you just hear such quietness Mm -hmm. except for you know the voice of the mom narrating you know what happened and you just see those bulging white eyes pop up from the stairs like that was scary oh my god like (laughs) I've watched quite a yeah. few horror movies. I'm a huge horror mm-hmm. fan. Like I I love it. But that that was so horrible to watch. It was like, terrifying, like really. I just it gripped it gripped me. Like my stomach was like it felt like when you're on like a drop mm-hmm. tower ride, like Tower of Terror at Disney. And your stomach just feels like, I don't know, like that's what it felt like to watch that scene yeah. for the first time. It's, it's like, like you're frozen and it like grips you. You're like, oh, yeah. I don't like that. You can't look away. <laughs> you can't look away. It's so like. It's such a brief ugh. moment too. It's literally just his head yeah. pops up and you're just like, oh, and it's like, oh, that, <laughs> that's why. For me, that was, that was like the most like memorable thing Mm -hmm. about the movie after watching it the first time that's that's mostly what i thought about i mean just like i i will never forget how that made me feel that was a perfect shot perfect shot and it reminded me a lot of stanley kubrick how stanley kubrick uses eyes oh yeah the the crazy like the kubrick star yeah the wide the yeah. cubic stare um it just like wow like i was like okay this went from being a comedy to like this is a dark thriller to like a horror movie this is <laughs> scary i'm sorry i don't know oh you're good don't worry but, about it <laughs> um but it, it yeah it it terrified me and it was so great yeah. That's that's another reason why I love this movie because it kind of plays with like a little bit mm-hmm. of everything. Like you get all kinds of genres mm-hmm. in here. You get the comedy, the romance, the horror, the thrills. Like it's just the, yeah, um, the thriller. Amazing. I, I love what thriller genre. Mm-hmm. The thriller genre. So this was like perfect for me. 
And just like, just My that favorite. scene, it's like bone chilling. So. Yes, yeah. bone chilling. There we go. There's the word. <laughs> I totally, uh, that's respectable. That's a, that's your top favorite moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, my my favorite moment, uh, more so when I first watched it, because I was in awe when it was happening, was the the sneaking out scene. Um, mm-hmm. from the second that they get the call. Um, from the mom that oh yeah we're coming home. To when they actually made it out of the house, I thought it was great. It's because it keeps you on the edge of your seat the whole time. You're like, are they going to get caught? Like, is this it? Are they over with? Like, is this the movie? Yeah. And you're just like, please don't get caught. Please don't get caught. Please don't get caught. And it, it's so tense. And I think the camera work is perfect. The, the angles are amazing. And just, yeah. I remember um, when the dad of the, Kim family is crawling out from the table and you hear the crackle of the walkie talkie you're like no Ooh. no this is it isn't oh. it this is it <laughs> yeah I just I remember feeling so tense and just being like you said completely captivated like even more so just during the scene right. that's got to be my favorite moment I just the way it made me feel that's... like you said for your top favorite moment I just love the way it made me feel when I first watched it. It was so tense. Like you said, tense. Like this whole movie, pretty much the whole second half of it anyway, was just so Mm -hmm. tense. Like I felt like I couldn't relax. (laughs) I was like, what's going to happen next? And it just gets crazier and crazier. Yeah, that's that's going to be my top favorite moment. I loved it. I loved it so much. That's a good one. And we're going to go ahead and move to our poll of the week. Uh, this one is going to be a little bit different format than usual because um, I had to kind of think about it on the fly off the top of my head. Um, it's going to pull a little bit into kind of the theme of the movie. This might be hard to fit on Instagram, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> do you think it is better to be rich, but let's say like the, the park family moderately happy, like maybe on the low end of the happiness scale or <laughs> actually, no, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to change it up. Do you think it's better to have a close relationship with your family and be poor like the Kim family or to have a somewhat distant relationship with your family and be rich? Um, I think it's pretty easy to answer i think there's gonna be one answer pretty much for anyone but i'll let you go ahead and take it so it's funny because um when you grow up poor and also having a distant relationship with your family honestly either of those options sound pretty great (laughs) i will take either one (laughs) but um i realistically though i i would rather have a fulfilling emotional life Mm -hmm. than a fulfilling financial life i mean if you're 
it's true like money doesn't buy happiness whatever <laughs> like you know because at the end of the day like if you have like money and things like what do you really have though mm-hmm. i mean like those material possessions only go so far like what's really um valuable in life is the connections that you have mm-hmm. with others and i think at the end of the day that's what i value most about my life is having somebody to share it with i mean it doesn't matter where we are or what yeah, we're exactly. doing but as long as that person is with me like i feel like things will mm-hmm. be okay um and you know that's that's really where happiness comes from mm-hmm. for me it took me a, a little bit to kind of realize that um mm-hmm. but I, I i'm on the same page you know yeah i mean it would be nice to <laughs> share a mansion yeah. with that person but <laughs> that'd make me really happy <laughs> But, you know, I would rather have, I would rather have the person than the mansion. I totally would too. You know, I can live without a mansion. I can't live without this person next to me. Right. So I'm, I think it's going to be pretty much a unanimous answer anyway. Um, but I just, it's a good question that I like asking. Yeah. To think about. It is good. To really. To make sure you value, value. No, I didn't, I didn't put that right. <laughs> to make sure you understand the value of family and love and just friends more than material wealth. So right, it's a good judge of yeah, character. It really is, but. Well, thank you all for listening this week. Um, let me know if you guys enjoyed it and any of the reviews or whatnot. Uh, if you want to comment under the Instagram post that I'll make when this drops. Uh, thank you, Jordan, so much for coming on. I hope you had a good time. Thanks for having me. I Let's sure hope did. hope you guys had fun listening to her because she had a lot more better insights. That was kind of redundant. <laughs> Sorry, Dad, for the grammatical error, but <laughs> she had a lot better insights than I did in this movie. So thank you again, Jordan, for coming. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on soon. Yeah, I would love to come back on. Hopefully maybe a happy. Yeah, (laughs) not so depressing. (laughs) Uh Yeah. But thank you again. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you next week.